Amen. So, uh, John chapter 11, and I, I'm not pulling up a lot of slides because we're kind of walking through these chapters. And again, once again, I'm just pulling out key events that help us because our intent, once again, is to is to just learn and, and have our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we're learning from him, all that he says, all that he does, and growing in our knowledge of Jesus. Even, you know, as we go through some very difficult times, as we are in the middle of, you know, uh, for those watching this live, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 um, quarantine, and there's so much happening all around the world, and things are getting more intense. And really, John's a great chapter, be, I mean, a great gospel, because, um, you know, the it, the heart of John is the battle Jesus was in constantly, and constantly trying to push forward truth, righteousness, godliness, you know, um, uh, as we talked about in the, in the background of John, the, the, this continual battle of light and darkness and, and it's been heating up, you know, in chapter seven, chapter eight, chapter nine, Jesus is just in constant battle. And even chapter 11 ends with yet another plot to kill his life. Um, so, uh, but we're going to jump in. This is one of the great, great scenes where we learn so much about Jesus um, and this is his interaction with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Um, so we'll, we'll start reading here in, in chapter 11, verse 1. He says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and, Mar- uh, of Mary and her sister Martha. This is Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And if you remember that scene, that was a very... Tender scene, very, very emotional scene, uh, where she's uh, wiping Jesus' feet, and and they have a whole dialogue there that is another powerful dialogue. And then um, that's going to come up again in the next chapter um, coming up. Um, then Luke chapter ten, we we hear about Mary and Martha, and that's the very famous story. And Jesus says, you know, Martha, Martha, and and a story about priorities, and that Mary has chosen what's better. Uh, so we know them. These are these are friends of Jesus. You know, this is who he hangs out with. This is when he when he wants to let his hair down, so to speak. This is who he goes and he hangs out with. And so it's a very interesting scene, and, and you kind of get to see a little bit of the humanity side of Jesus, the the very human side um, of of him in action. And he says, um, uh, "So the sisters sent word to Jesus." Lord, the one you love is sick. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're using the leverage they have as friends. They're using the, the, as we say in Spanish, the palancas, you know, to get Jesus to come. And, you know, if you have a friend who's a doctor or a nurse, especially right now in these times, boy, is that valuable, right? Um, to be able to have some kind of connection at the hospital or something whenever you have needs. And of course, here's Mary, Martha, well, they got a connection. They've got Jesus as one of their friends. And uh, so <clears throat> so it says, when he heard this, verse 4, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the, that God's son may be glorified through it. And, and I lo- I, w- one of the things I love about this statement that Jesus says, is, he says, it's not going to end in death. Now, if, if you know, if you've, you know, you, most of you have probably read this chapter before. Uh, or maybe even read it right before this, this, uh, watching this, you, you know, Jesus is going to die. I mean, Lazarus is going to die. 
and and he is he he's gonna die and Jesus is gonna raise him from the dead. Um, so why would he say this will not end in death? I think I think this is a pivotal message. This is a pivotal understanding. We, you know, we hear the gospel. We hear Jesus say multiple times that um, we're not going to die as Christians, as disciples. And yet we know we all die. We know, we know most of you've been around more than 10 minutes. You know, you know, somebody who's died, you know, somebody who's a Christian who's died and it can cause conflicts. And I think that this is where we have to understand that some of the things Jesus says have deeper meanings than what is at face value. And if we're those, if we're the kind of person who really gets caught in face value, well, that's not what he said. Then we're going to get caught multiple times on snagged, I should say is the word, um, on, on these things because Jesus has a perspective that's so much greater than our perspective, than, than what we're seeing, than what we're understanding. You know, earlier he had actually said that there will come a time when all will hear me say come out and all will rise from the dead and now he's giving an example and and keep in mind you know things happen that are tied into Jesus teaching to help us understand so uh so this whole scene in one sense is is a setup yes it's it's Jesus lets his friend get sick and die so he can raise him from the dead and show everybody what he will do on the last day what he will do himself, but also, um, more importantly, probably to us in the sense of our self-preservation is to know that this also applies to us, that someday we will rise from the dead. This is, this is huge. This is huge because it really is at the core of our religion is, is, is understanding that it doesn't end at death. It's not the final outcome. And, and that's basically, that's literally what he says is this will not end in death. Now there will be death. <laughs> there will be death, but it won't end there. And that's not the end of it. You know, there's a, there's a scene in, uh, Lord of the Rings where, where the, it's under the siege of Minas Tirith and, and, uh, um, Frodo and, or Gandalf and Pippin are sitting there and, and they're, uh, uh, or is it Mary? I always forget, but they're sitting there and they're talking. And it looks like the orcs are about to blast through the gate and come in and kill everybody. And, and, you know, and, and Mary says, you know, I didn't think it would end this way. And, and, um, you know, Gandalf looks at him and says, end, this is not the end. And he, and he, and he goes and he says, death is not the end. And he, of course, he describes after you die and you see the white shores and all this. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a cool, cool scene. And I, and I've always thought, man, I wish we all just understood that, that we understood that this is not the end. What a different perspective we would have on life, even our time here. How much we, how much more we would understand that this, everything here is light and momentary. Everything here and, and, and the only thing that has really great value are the things that you take with you afterwards, which is nothing material, nothing that you can buy, nothing that you can, no wealth, no titles, no 
achievements, no awards, no statues, no any of this stuff, not gold, not silver, not any of that stuff. The only thing you take with you are your relationships. And even that, only a few. And so what really, really matters in this life is your relationships. That's really what what is the gold of eternity. What is the gold of creation of uh, the essence of life is really your relationships, having great friendships, having great relationships with your with your parents, with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, with people around you, because that's ultimately the only thing that will be around afterwards. Uh, but so Jesus is, this whole chapter is about the resurrection and having a greater perspective. So now, and, and I love this in verse five says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know, he, he, he loved them. That now, okay, we can say that Jesus loved everybody, yes, but this this is very specific. You know, you I mean everybody you can love you can love in general, but then you have those that you really love. You just man, I just love these guys. And that's the way it was with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And and their characters. And you go back, you read Luke chapter 10. I mean, what characters you got? You got Martha, who's the worry wart, who's the I, I call them procrastinators, the person who's got everything organized and planned out way in advance. And she was so worried about everything running smooth. And then you've got Mary, who just, she's the people person who's just sitting there enjoying Jesus. And she doesn't care if the food's ready or the plates are, are ready to be served or any of that. She's just enjoying Jesus. And and much to Martha's frustration, Mary's not even helping her, you know, and and and, you know, of course, Jesus, Martha, Martha, you know, Mary's chosen what's better. And, and you know, if, but after she says, tell my sister to help me out, you know, classic scene between sisters. You know, why isn't my sister helping me? She's no help. And, you know, and, and it's just such a such a classic scene. And Jesus loves these people with their weaknesses, you know, in a sense, warts and all. He just loves them. He just just loves them. And, and you got to love that about Jesus. You know, he says, now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, this is what's really interesting is he hears that they're sick. He hears Lazarus is sick and he gets this urgent message from Martha. You, you got to come. You got you, you to gotta come because um, my brother's sick and you got to come over here. So so when he heard, you know, what's he do? He packs up and he heads out there right away. No, actually, he hangs out two more days. And and then he said to his disciples, let us let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going back. You know, and it kind of tells you the climate that Jesus is operating in. I mean, they're hunting him down. He's a wanted man at this point. There are people trying to kill him. There are people looking for him to take his life. That is a scary thing. I mean, most of us have never been in that situation. And prayerfully, you never will be in that situation. I actually was in that situation at one point in my life where I had somebody who was a murderer, uh, who had done time in prison, and he had swore to kill me. And he was trying to hunt me down, and never mind why and all the backstory, but but for about a week, I was on the run. And a couple times he caught me and tried to run me off the road once, shot at me. I had bullet holes inside of my car and all this crazy stuff. And 
And I was just constantly vigilant, constantly, you know, watching who's in my rear view mirror, watch, you know, where do I pull, where, when I, when I'd go home, I'd go past my house and make circles. I remember one time I, 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 I noticed somebody was following me and, and I passed my house, went around several blocks and then I was sped up. He sped up and I slammed on my brakes. And jumped out of the car with my crowbar, went running over to the other guy. This is before I was a Christian. Went running over to attack the other guy, the guy that was following me. It was my best friend. And he was like, what are you doing? I've been trying to follow you home so I can talk to you. And, and I was like, oh, man. You, you know, of course, we didn't have cell phones back then. So he couldn't call me and tell me he was coming to my house. But it was a very scary time. It was a very scary time. And here Jesus, he's a one man. They're hunting him down. They're They're trying to kill him. And so they, they recognize that. And of course, Jesus answered, are, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see this world. They see by the world's light. Yet, excuse me, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. Okay. So, so this is the time that Jesus is here. The lights are on. This is the time that things need to happen. So he's not going to shrink back in fear. He's not going to stop. What he's, what he has come to teach people. In fact, he's gearing up for a major lesson here. So no, he's not going to hide, you know. And after, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Okay. Again, he says this statement that if you get snagged on exact wording, then you're going to get snagged on this. You know, wait, wait, wait. Is he asleep or is he dead? You know, is he, is, which is it? And the the fact is, he's dead. But again, you see it now from Jesus' eyes. From his eyes, he's he's not dead in the sense that we think of dead, where everything ends and it's over and that's it. He's asleep, okay? Now, not literally asleep. Literally, you know, like sleep, his eyes are closed. Like sleep, he's lying there. But... He's heart's no longer beating and and he has he's not breathing anymore. But because of the resurrection, it is like sleep. It's same thing. You lay down, you close your eyes, and then at some point you get back up again. And and so you're 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 seeing these references from a very different perspective, from from Jesus' perspective. And and people who are short-sighted or get caught up in exact details will get snagged on these kind of things and oh well Jesus was lying or you know would well even he didn't know what was going on da, da, da. no no he knew he knew exactly what's going on but you're going to see other references and Paul references that that when we die we are sleeping we are resting you know and and even you know when when Samuel when Saul went to the witch of Endor and and had her raise Samuel's spirit and it says he was resting and he and, and Samuel rebukes him for waking him up and 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 not allowing him the rest that he was supposed to get. And that has to, of course, that also works with what what is paradise and where do we go after? And that's a whole probably set of classes in himself, but in themselves, but we won't have time to get into. But anyway, so his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps he will get better than Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
Okay, so Jesus, okay, Jesus is like, okay, they're getting all caught up in the wording here, and they're not getting it. So he just says, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So understand the timeline here. So Jesus gets asked by, by Mary and Martha, come help us because Lazarus is sick. The one you love is sick. Um, and, and, and so he, but he hangs out for a couple more days. So in those couple of days, Lazarus dies and now Lazarus is dead. So Jesus said, okay, now let's go see him. And he's, and he gives a hint. He says, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe again. What is Jesus doing? He's, he's throughout his ministry. He's performing miracles. Why? To show off? No. To prove that he's powerful? Not, not even that. Why? To build our faith. To help us have faith. To help us build up our faith. And that, you know, that we, 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 we change when we see things. When we see incredible things. When we see miracles. That changes us. And that was the purpose of these miracles was to build the faith. And Jesus didn't do miracles for frivolous reasons. They were very specific. And this one is to build faith in a very specific area about life and death and about the resurrection, right? And then, I, uh, and I love it because here's, here's a positive note from Thomas comment. Cause usually Thomas's comments are negative. Thomas also known as Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, you know, and, and Thomas, you know, he gets a bad rep, you know, he gets a bad rep, bad rap, however you want to say it. Um, he, he clearly, uh, doubted Jesus. He's the one that said, you know, let, let put his, unless he, unless I can put my fingers in his side and, and, you know, he, he just wanted to see for himself. I'm not going to believe. And he was kind of stubborn in his disbelief. And so hence he goes down history as the doubting Thomas. Um, but he really was a faithful apostle. And I, and I feel like we do him a disservice sometimes, but so of course Jesus goes and, uh, and he says, um, uh, Oh, let me, let me back up. We'll just keep reading right after that because we might as well follow the story on his arrival. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany, was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So you know, this is there's a crowd there. Um, there, the Bethany's really close to Jerusalem. I mean, you're, it, I mean, basically like a suburb of Jerusalem now. But of course, now you got you got a bunch of political issues. But never mind about that. Not going down that road. Um, and it says when Mar- when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said. Now remember, Martha's the worrier. Martha's the procrastinator. She's the one that's always, she's the organizer, the the one that's on top of all the details and usually worried about things. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Okay. Uh, You know, again, we see a little bit of Martha's sinful nature again, you know, poor Martha. Her sinful nature gets played out pretty clear in the Bible. And she's, you know, you get the hint. She's a little mad at Jesus. Like, what the heck, Jesus? Why didn't you, why didn't you come sooner? Why did, why did you wait? And, and, but she still got faith. She says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Okay. So she's, you know, she redeems herself by showing her faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Okay, and he and he comforts her with that. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And she's okay, so she's a believer. She believes in the resurrection. She believes and that and and just small point, um, sub point is that 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 was a big debate between the different sects and the different faiths in Judaism, whether or not there would be a resurrection, how all that would go. And obviously Jesus is teaching there will be a resurrection, and she's a believer. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Remember what I said about the questions. She just said she believes this. And Jesus is asking, why is he asking? Because the question is really for me and you. The question is for all hearers, for all believers, for all who approach Jesus. Do you believe this? Because this is pivotal here for for our faith. He says, I am the resurrection. There's the I am again. That's one of his I am statements. We talked about this at the beginning. I am the resurrection and the life. So he he is rising from the dead, but he's also life itself. And he says, the one who believes in me will live. Okay, the one who, and again, remember we talked about the word belief. It's the one who puts their faith in me, the one who trusts in me, the one who puts their hope in me, the one who relies on me. Okay, so it's it's all these, all this packed into one word, the word pisteo or the Hebrew word emune. And he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Okay, so yeah, okay, he's acknowledging we're all, we're in one sense we're all going to die, but in another sense none of us are going to die who believe in him. He says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. It's a powerful statement. They will never die. I will not be dead in a hundred years. I will not be dead in five hundred years. I will not be dead in a thousand years. That's intense. That's awesome. And if you are one who has put his faith or her faith in Jesus, neither will you. We'll be around partying in a thousand years. You know, I just saw this special. uh, It was on technology. And, uh, of course, you know, under the quarantine, we're all learning all kinds of interesting things on, on, on YouTube and other channels. And it was on people who are having some who are having their heads frozen because they believe that um, at some day the technology will catch up and they'll be able to revive their brains. Or some people have their entire bodies frozen, the cryogenics. And I think that's what it's called. And, and, and the hope that technology will catch up and someday they'll be able to revive them. And, and they were talking about how with this technology, once we have this technology, you could actually, you know, free somebody, send them off into space and they could fly in space for a thousand years and then you wake them up and a thousand years they're woken up and they're on the other side of the galaxy uh or or even another one that they were talking about is there are researchers that are trying to figure out basically how to upload or download the brain and then once you do that you've got them in a you've got them literally inside a computer and and their consciousness their person could live technically forever you know, and you could lo- upload them to a spaceship and send them off 
to space. Or These are all things that are being tried right now, that are being experimented with. And I remember thinking, thinking that would be crazy. You wake up and you're a computer a thousand years from now, you know, floating out in space. And you have this memory of living on earth. And I thought, whoa, wait a second. That's exactly what Jesus said is going to happen is that we're going to live, except we're not going to be a computer and we're not not going to be a science experiment. We're going to be with the Lord and we'll still be here. And and that sounds, I know as disciples, as people, that can sound fantastical, like, really? You know, that's, that's out there. But that's exactly what Jesus was saying. And here's the thing. He proved it. He proved it. First of all, we're about to see him raise Lazarus. He proved that he can raise you from the dead. And then he proved it by himself raising from the dead. That's the killer is that that's the key here is that he didn't, this isn't just some crazy teaching. And then the guy died and we're all debating whether he was right or not. No, this is some crazy teaching that he goes on to prove. So, uh, okay. So we keep reading. He says, yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. Okay. This is all tied together, Right. Because if he can rise from the dead and raise from them, then he is the Messiah. So this is, it's not, this isn't science fiction here. This is deep theology. This is deep religion here. After he had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, uh, and, and, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, uh, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my my brother would, would not have died. Okay, same feeling. There's this, there's this anguish. And we all get that with death. You know, we get that. Why, God, why did this happen? Why didn't you do something? And again, this is this is really important. I think even now, with 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 so much death around us right now, there's no way. I mean, as I think as of yesterday, it was it was uh, here in the United States. It was something like fifty six thousand people have died. There's no way that that many people can die and not shake up our nation. This this is having a huge effect on us. It's, it's coming out in different ways. There's different ways that anxiety and fear and stress are revealing themselves, you know, whether it's spouses arguing or people in, in their houses getting on each other's nerves. And, and then on top of all that, we're, we're all stuck in houses together. You know, this is having this huge effect. But, the, but we get this sometimes. We get aggravated. We get frustrated. We get angry. And, and with death in particular, there's always a point where people tend to ask God, why, God, why did this happen? Why didn't you do something? You know, and that's basically what she's saying. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see the Lord, they replied. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. This is, uh, this is, this is really big. For several reasons, um, you know, this is uh, literally in English. This is the shortest verse in the Bible, uh, John John eleven thirty thirty five. Jesus wept. It has profound theological implications. That 
I mean, Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus knows that he's going to help them. But what was it that caused him to weep? Was it Lazarus dead? No. What was it? It was seeing them in pain, seeing them suffer. That's what made him weep. That's what touched him. That's what really hit him. And, and you know, when you really love somebody, when you're close to them, you don't just have sympathy, you have empathy as well. You don't just feel sorry for them, you feel their pain. You share their pain. You know, I remember a, a story I read. Um, it was a mom, and she's in the kitchen doing something, and the little boy comes in the door, and she says, where were you? And he said, oh, I was next door with with Mr. Richardson, or whatever his name was, and Mr. Johnson. And, um, and she says, you know, son, I told you not to go over there and bother him. His wife just died. You, you need to leave him alone. And he said, Mom, that's okay. I just went and I just cried with him. And, you know, it's a very touching story. Just, ah. Uh, but sometimes you need somebody to just cry with you. Sometimes you need somebody to just share your pain with. And that's what Jesus was doing. And that's who he is. I think that, you know, I know I, I can never forget the day that my brother called and told me my parents were dead. And I, I, I answered the phone, literally. He said, Rob, I said, yeah. He said, he said it's me. And uh, he said, mom and dad are dead. And, you know, we, we finished the conversation and I went back in the backyard and I sat down and I, I just started crying, deeply crying. You know, when you're like, when you cry with your whole body, your whole soul. And I knew that God... I felt so much like God was sitting next to me, crying with me. I wasn't, it wasn't, it's funny, I I skipped the, why did you let this happen? Because I knew God was hurting too. And I knew God was heartbroken too. My mom had committed suicide. And and before she committed suicide, she, she killed my dad with a gun. And... I knew that God was heartbroken over that, as I was heartbroken. And I knew that God was hurting over that. And I felt very much like God and I sat in the backyard and cried together. And that's our God. That's your Jesus. That's the one who went to the cross for you. And I think that's very important to understand when you when when you followed when you were trying to get to know Jesus you need to understand this this is who you're following the one who the one who can weep with you even though he knows most of your troubles are light and momentary but he feels what you feel and the Jews said see how he loved him but some said but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? And, and you know, people just question God all the time. It's just it's human nature, unfortunately, because we really shouldn't. We have no business questioning God, but we do. And so 
That's just the way we are. So Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord said, Martha, the sister of of the dead man, by this time there is a bad order, for he has been there four days. So Martha's worried. Martha says, but Lord, by this time, this is a bad, I mean, this is bad. This is, this is not going to be good. This is going to be horrible. And you have to understand, even the, the smell of death is, the, the stench of death is actually deadly. It was, uh, there's a, there's, there's a, an interesting story of, of how one of the Roman punishments or tortures was to chain a man to a dead body. And the gases and the fumes that come off the body will eventually kill you. So the stench of death literally causes death. And, uh, and that's why they usually wrap a body with fragrances and, and myrrh and, you know, things to, to cover the stench. But, but, and it says, but then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And, and this is key for us. We have to believe. You, you will not see the glory of God if you do not believe. If you do not put your faith in him, you will not see it. And this is why our life challenge, our life journey is learning to put our faith in God, learning to put our faith in Jesus. And he says, so they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always, I know that, excuse me, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Everything Jesus did is, again, to build our faith, your faith, my faith, to help us put our faith in Jesus. Then he said to, then he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let him go. Let him set him free. You know, I mean, he was all wrapped up and everything. What a, what an incredible moment. I mean, imagine, you know, when, if you've ever lost a loved one, you know, you know, it's like you would do anything to reverse that. You would do anything to just undo that moment and to be with that person and to see them again and to enjoy their company again and to, to just have another chance at being with them. And they had already mourned his loss. They had already said their goodbyes. And wow, what a moment. They get, they get him back. The resurrection. He raised him from the dead. And you know, there's the old preacher's joke that, you know why Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. He said that because had he not said Lazarus, everybody dead in there would have come out. (laughs) And there would have been a zombie scene. (laughs) But he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. And they get another chance at being with Lazarus. And he says, set them free. And I think that it's not just free of the wrappings. It's free of all the garbage that ties us in this world and the fear of death. I think that when you're convinced of the resurrection, when you're convinced of what's after, that's when you're free. That's when you're free. You're not worried about death. You're not worried about anything in this life. You're set 
free. And you are truly free. I love the scene at the end of Gladiator. When he's lying there in the arena in the sand. And he he starts to leave. And he's already touching the wheat. And there's that really powerful emotional song playing. And his wife's and his child is waiting for him. He's set free. In fact, I think that song is called Set Free. That's freedom in Christ. That's real freedom. That you're no longer bound by the fears and worries of this life. But you've been set free. So we'll stop there and we'll continue with chapter 12 tomorrow. God bless you.